0: Smart, enabling organisations and individuals to be disability inclusive and accessible. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of the Be People Smart podcast. My name is Jodie Greer, I'm the founder of Be People Smart and I'm very excited today to be joined by a guest speaker, Nicola Adams, to help us bust some more myths. So Nicola, first of all, can you please let us know a bit more about you sure so yep yeah, Nicola Adams
1: <laughs> I am the founder of an ergonomic consultancy called inspired ergonomics and we specialize in providing ergonomic consultancy to business and 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 individuals um, here in the UK and globally um,
0: both in person and
1: remotely so for all those home workers as well as people working in the office
0: Wonderful. Thank you. And Nicola, I know obviously from talking to you before that um, ergonomics isn't just a job for you, is it? It's a real passion that you've got um, to help people get it right.
1: Yeah, it was. I think I'm so passionate because it was a change of career. So I was working something completely different and uh, looking for a change that didn't feel like I was going down the right path. And they suggested either economics or architecture. I was 27 at the time. So, well, architecture was going to be far too long. So I looked into economics and it just sounded amazing. So I did a master's and have been practicing it ever since. That was about 16 years ago now. Um, I used to have back pain myself. And so really... Um, understood why it can be so difficult for people. And having spent all this time uh, talking to so many other people now struggling, it really is my passion to help people avoid that, preferably in the first place, but help them through um, if they are struggling. And really sort of raising the awareness in companies to really look after their employees and that's particularly so with these home workers who were a little bit sometimes ignored working at home. Um and but they were also continuing to work uh from home during this new hybrid workplace. It's been really interesting actually seeing how companies are differing their approach with their hybrid work, um, whether they're encouraging people back in all the time or doing a mix of both going forward. But yes, no, it's it's my real passion and my mum struggled with back pain as well, so it's it's in my veins.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love the fact, obviously, you're coming from a professional knowledge and experience space, but also a lived experience space. Um, and also to plug, then, you are literally helping organisations to be more people smart. So I like that as well. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm really trying to raise awareness on behalf of the employees who are working for the companies.
0: Wonderful. So the myths Nicola and I are going to be busting today. Um, I'm sure we'll probably end up finding some more, like we usually do. But um, are the ergonomics doesn't impact younger employees? We're certainly going to talk about that. And the other myth is ergonomics make running a business more expensive. So watch this space. Um, let's start on the younger employees, Nicola, because um, you mm-hmm. and I, you and I had a chat about this so what kind of experience are you finding with new graduates and and i know that you're finding some people already have discomfort when they go into the workplace
1: yeah no absolutely so i've been going in after covid after we were returning back to the workplace seeing a lot of new grads back in the office which is fantastic um but these are sort of 23 24 year olds and I began to notice that they are already struggling when they've even been maybe working for a couple of months at a company, so it just wasn't quite matching up with previous experiences and wondering whether it might be a a vicious sort of mix of having less appropriate setups at home, but also because we're exposed now from such a young age as to the risks of using um, computers or laptops most commonly from uh, school age my kids were using computers laptops from the age of 11 and then you got that going through to university where maybe in lockdown even if they were at uni they were maybe stuck in their room working on a laptop on their lap or very small spaces in their own houses or flats or shared apartments um it's there's, there's so many there's so little education when we're young about how to use laptops, smartphones, whatever we're using correctly to stop the impact on our bodies, our musculoskeletal system, um affecting us later down the line. So and this is correlating with physiotherapists that I'm talking to who are seeing younger and younger people in their clinics struggling with back issues from a from a from a young age.
0: Yeah there's something I want to also add because obviously this isn't um bespoke to people who have got a degree so out of curiosity because i know a lot of organizations are still a little on the back foot with ergonomics and certainly educating employees so do you see any difference with younger employees that are coming out of universities to those that have you know obviously built their way up and already effectively experienced hires
1: yes i mean the the ones that I, i tend to work with a lot of law firms so that does tend to be the people that i'm seeing but yes, anecdotally, I do also hear, you know, whatever circumstance, because they are starting, they're being encouraged by their schools to use laptops or um, computers to complete their homework, that it's increasing that exposure from a young age. Um, and on top of that, with, with the exposure for a company, generally, we've also got the opposite problem of an aging workforce. So the number of issues that I'm seeing are, is increasing. And it's we just need to educate people. That's all we need to do.
0: So on that then, what do you think should be happening about ergonomic awareness in education before people get to the workplace?
1: Yeah, I mean, from as soon as they start using that laptop, or that iPad, or whatever they're using, even knowing how to use smartphones correctly, uh, I think it's really, really key to get in at secondary um, school age, because that. But then we can get in there before they start to build bad habits, before even my little niece, actually, she was struggling with wrist issues, age 12, starting to get RSI, um, and I went to see her uh, my sister's home and to see where she was working and she was just sitting too low and flicking up her wrist to be able to use the laptop or thing. and so just addressing those little issues can make a huge difference so it's just some basic guidelines um or even a little little chat before they're, they're given those ipads or uh, laptops to work from and start working hard every every evening on their on their homework
0: So one of the reasons I was so keen to talk to you and to get you to educate our listeners is we recently did um, another episode on ergonomics, more specifically about ergonomic equipment. Um, And I think there was a lot to be said, obviously, about educating people. But one of the things that came up on that episode was, and obviously it sounds funny, but you'll get where I'm coming from. Your heads are heavy, right? So a human head is a really heavy part of the body. And... I'm just as guilty. I am a little bit too hooked on my mobile telephone and I spend far too much time effectively hunched over, really. But certainly with my head down. Social media, you know, checking my messages, whatever it is. Um, And obviously lots of people out there do the same thing of all ages, but certainly from, you know, people are getting younger and younger now when they're getting these devices. be sort of you know like notepads or whether they are uh, mobile phones what guidance do you tend to give to people for those um, pieces of equipment
1: yeah it's just about awareness and as you say it's just just knowing that our, that our heads are so heavy <laughs> and it <laughs> sound, does sound a strange thing as well as preparing to smoke my smartphone use. Um, it's just about just 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 creating uh, the education as to why it might be important not to just be craning our neck and rounding our shoulders forward for the vast majority of the day. A we don't want to look like a hunchback before our time and b just yeah the strain on the shoulders the neck um the hands from incorrect usage and all we need to do is raise it up to eye level um i know certainly on the if kids are traveling you're based in uh, London um, we all kind of tend to look down to create our little privacy space (laughs) and and maybe sort of don't want to look uncool by raising that phone and and looking a little different but it just makes a huge difference to our neck muscles and our shoulder muscles um, to not be craning our neck down and just simply raise it up a little bit it will make um, a big Difference long term, you might not notice the effect immediately, but it will prevent issues occurring from not doing it repeatedly, time after time, day after day, hour after hour.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. My my phone actually tells me periodically how much time I spent the previous week online. That yeah. That was obviously just on my phone. Yeah. And sometimes I do give myself a bit of an internal slap on the wrist because I realise then how much time I had my head down.
1: Yeah. And also, not only that, it's giving us, um, whenever we're looking at our smartphone and get little notifications, it gives us little dopamine hits. But the more dopamine hits we get, the lower we can crash down. So it doesn't help with mood either. So it's a win-win if you are trying not to look down a bit too much, but also not looking down at
0: all and looking <laughs> looking straight on if you can. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, and certainly note to self for me. Um, <laughs> So I think obviously education is important within education. It's certainly important within the workplace. But part of that, of course, is who is doing the educating in the workplace. And I know it's something that you support um, employers with. But some of the things I've actually experienced that concern me a little is the amount of learning that the ergonomic assessors internally have. So I'd like to touch on that and I'd like to sort of hear your views on, I guess, what you would um, expect or suggest um, for any learning for someone who is then deemed an ergonomic assessor. Um, And just anything else, any sort of key points you'd want to make sure all employers can hear so that they are getting it right for everyone else. Yeah. So there there are...
1: um, some great little training courses that people can do to be in health champion, so to speak. And that's a really nice way of just sort of making sure that people are generally doing the right thing. But the problem occurs when you get people who are experiencing problems. And the tick box exercise of have your screen a certain height, sit in a certain height, um, to make sure that you are sitting in a certain way all day can be more, it can be more complex than the tick box exercise. There can be complex issues that are going on that makes, even if we have everything set up correctly as per the guidance, we will still be experiencing problems. So at that stage, it's then a really good idea. I'm, I'm slightly biased because I'm an expert, but it's a really good idea to maybe bring in someone else to have a, a fresh look at it. Because it's really understanding a, a sort of biomechanics, how our body is moving, how our own body's uh, risk factors have been building up, some psychological elements. Stress has a big impact on our on our bodies our body's back health, and um, just Trying to encourage people out of bad habits It takes a very in-depth um, knowledge base and experience to understand what is exactly right for that person, because we are all different. And we don't naturally all fit into the same into the same box. So at that stage, it's, it's good to know the basics but it's also good to know when to flag up some outside help the reason I say that is we will often go in when people have been advised and we were chatting about this when people have been advised to sit in a certain way and it's just caused more problems Um and it's not necessarily about bringing in extra equipment you can't fix it by extra equipment it's 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 that behavior change it's encouraging people to be proactive it's looking at the all the other outside influencing factors that that may be Um, contributing towards their back problem.
0: Yeah, so I mean, absolutely anyone who's passionate about helping other people with ergonomics, certainly not looking to squash that, that's amazing.
1: Um,
0: But but it is important that people are sufficiently trained if they're going to be the ones to support other people, because, you know, we want to get it right anyway. And yeah, it's always just the best step. So on that, though, here's another question for you. And you may have come across some cases like this um, already. So ergonomics, you know, it's one thing, but sometimes what's actually causing people um, some issues may be related, for instance, to a disability. So it may be that someone's actually sitting the way they are because they're trying to get closer and closer to the screen because maybe they don't know how to adjust it or they don't have the assistive technology to be able to um, see it uh, visibly. So, how do you go about then supporting them or supporting an employer to sort of make all the right adjustments? Actually, I had a had a case on this just last week.
1: In fact, I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> um, yes, it, it can be that they are adopting certain behaviours to be able to see the screen um, more clearly. And actually, so this gentleman that I was seeing last week, he but um, for most tasks he was fine for you know word documents or just general text, he was fine. But sometimes he had to look at spreadsheets that all needed to be fitted on the same display. So for that, he um, the text size got very small and he found that actually the way to negate not then just slouching forward to read the screen or having to constantly bring the screens closer and then further back just for that particular task was to actually stand because then it could naturally be a little bit further forward to the screen. So which there are many different ways to actually address that, but for him, standing was the correct way. Other people, it will be increasing the text size. Um, it will be increasing the, the, the display itself, um, but there are also lots of other software tools. And of course, it's always important that they have their eyes checked recently. <laughs> that it's not just a prescription in their glasses that, 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 that needs to be changed. So there are many different ways to address things. Um, but it's very individual for that person as well so it's knowing the different options that are available to us to to, to help us to do that
0: yeah and I mean it's obviously it's important to advise but it can also be another barrier if there's assistive tech that can make all the difference to that person oh. and the employers go in what is this we don't have this
1: yeah and There's things like Dragon software which can help a lot, but it is expensive, so it's really trying to help them to understand why something actually will be worth the extra cost of it is needed.
0: And note to larger employers, um, the cost is negligible when you look at productivity. Mm-hmm. Just thought, yeah. there. excellent, um, thanks, Jodie. <laughs> but to be honest, it is the same for everyone if you actually think of the value of any of your employees. Any of this assistive technology is absolutely worth its weight in gold um, and you certainly won't regret it. I'm just doing a little plug there for all of them. Um, So. One of the things we can also do is because you can't have an assessor sitting with you every day. Right. So one of the things we can do is be more aware for ourselves. And one of the things that a lot of employers have in place are self-assessment tools. Mm hmm. So I've seen some that work quite well and quite intuitive and user friendly. And I've seen some that work not so well, shall we say. Uh Um, So it's really important they're not a tick box. So what would you suggest as a kind of good practice around self-assessment? Yeah, it's, it's good to raise
1: awareness, as I say, and education about what the ideal setups are. But there also has to be room for people to be able to flag up why it's not suiting them to be able to put in, fill in an other box, basically. (laughs) So that even if they then set up everything as per the guidance, if they're still experiencing issues, then that will be flagged up as to um, uh, for someone to come in and, and maybe have a chat with them as to why it might not be working for them and really understand what's going on so you may you may have a perfectly set up desk but it's just not right for you uh for whatever reason we want to understand that and address that before it becomes worse and worse it's it's so important as you know to address things early and to stop it tipping into the chronic um department because it's then much longer and much more expensive to correct things once they've been going on for a long time
0: yeah to be fair everything in in the workplace retrofitting is never really the best answer no no so on that obviously we've talked about assistive tech and we've talked about some of the costs that can actually come if you're not proactive with ergonomics um so one of the myths we're looking to bust today as I mentioned earlier was about how ergonomics actually makes running a business more expensive when it actually a cost avoidance Um, as opposed maybe to a cost saving but it certainly is a cost avoidance isn't it tell us a bit about your views on this yeah
1: it's it's so as as we were just talking about the the um, benefits of addressing any issues before they become chronic is cost of businesses so much uh, cost of businesses so much when someone goes off on sick leave so it saves the business so much when we address these before they become chronic um, the ergonomic research actually shows that the, pa- for the return on investment for putting in an ergonomics program is actually three pounds in every pound spent. The reason being is it will stop the extent of sick leave. It will stop the effect on, pro- on the loss of productivity, um, the replacement cost of an employee w- when they go on sick leave. And just people, just trying to help people to stop struggling with back pain um, is, is worth its weight in, in gold, really, because people are, of course, our greatest assets, people's company's greatest assets. And any help uh, to help them to do their job better is it, it can't really be be counted. So um, the benefits of ergonomic program is is to really stop those problems occurring in the first place but also helping reduce the problems from um when, when they have occurred when um uh, when we've been when we've been into companies we will be so, well, I will be so upset when I see if there have been wrong equipment being specified in the first place. So we really want to try and prevent those mistakes because that's really expensive if you have to replace that equipment after it's already been put in place. Even the wrong monitor arms, a chair without a lumbar support, little basic things can be very, very costly. Uh, helping people working from home effectively. There's such a minefield of equipment out there that people that say that says it's ergonomics and then people don't buy the right thing for them and that of course is very expensive to replace as well as people experiencing back pain if it's causing them problems so yeah it'll save a whole world of pain (laughs) both in physical pain and in monetary pain by addressing it in the first place
0: pardon the pun <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's all it's all really uh it's really great stuff so you've spoken to so many people you know you've helped not just individuals but employers to learn are there any particular case studies that you look back on with like you know sort of exceptional pride <laughs> but it's all these little things
1: so it's just really nice when we get feedback of how much we've helped people so it can even be some really simple changes so there was one gentleman who who, who was really uh, getting very distressed or, or very worried because he had seen a neurologist and he had seen a surgeon because he was getting pins and needles all down his legs and he couldn't work out why and so he had gone on for these investigations and MRI everything else. And then when I went in to see him, all he was doing was crossing his legs all day long
0: all sitting on his legs. He was literally making <laughs> himself go
1: numb. He was literally making himself go numb. And so sometimes I feel like I'm just pointing out the obvious, but it, it's what's needed sometimes. Uh, so that made a huge, a huge difference for him, for him. Another case was a lady who had been struggling with migraines for four years And she was working at a reception desk. And again, I made some simple changes. There was also some glare issues. There was screen issues. There was uh, some heat issues, but it was mainly neck and shoulder pain. that was giving her the migraines. And I went in to see her a week later and they had gone. <laughs> it's just so lovely when you hear success stories like that, um so actually, we are being involved in the design of a new reception desk for another company, and so knowing all the possible errors that can occur when designed that because it's and the reception desk might seem seem a simple piece of equipment, but the multitude of usage um, and making sure it fits the people using it who are often different size people um. Making sure that that is incorporated into the design is really important and will save again, save the company a lot of money from having to try and correct that later.
0: Yeah, and I mean, equipment's getting really clever now as well. And yeah, it's, it's important we know that one size never fits all. But yes. I came across some chairs recently where rather than having to purchase a whole new one, you can basically retrofit parts to make it, you know, wider, to make it narrower. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's really clever how the market's moving yeah yeah really exciting and and that's such a nice
1: piece for sustainability as well isn't it you know just yeah. retrofitting things rather than the expense of uh, and the cost of the planet of of having to buy a whole new chair
0: definitely and I think it's sometimes there's equipment out there that people really don't even realize I mean I'm a self-professed ergo geek and I used to in my past life um carry out ergonomic assessments as well and i and I only have had to do this for one person, but for one person, because of her stature, I had to actually give her a footrest that was on a gas lift so that it went you know, far yeah. higher than anything else. So she had yeah. a false floor effectively. Yeah. Um, and it worked brilliantly. And literally within a few days, she was out of the pain she'd been in for weeks yeah. and weeks. But I only found that because I basically went searching for a solution because I was convinced there had to be something that would work for her. And I knew how she needed to sit. Um, And it was really interesting because I think there's a lot of people out there that may not even realise what equipment's available. Yeah, that
1: that is half the that's half of our our value as well, actually, because we've done all the research, as as you did, um, just trying to find exactly the right bit of equipment for that person. So if equipment is needed, you really, really need to know the market to be able to find what the right solution is for that person. Uh, so that is half the battle is is knowing the marketplace and and trying it yourself, right? So that you know what what will work for for each person individually.
0: And I think that's where the experts, um, not just here, but that's where you're worth your weight in gold. Because the reality is, as this is your full-time job, you know yeah. you take that time to regularly yeah. to make sure you know what's going on on the market. Yeah. For me, like you know, that's that's just a massive win. Why would you not want the person with all the expertise and knowledge to come in and make sure that your well-being of your employees is looked after.
1: Absolutely, and actually, that's been a huge challenge when we've been doing these global assessments remotely. Is finding um, local um, suppliers of the right equipment for people. So that that was a lot of research and time, but uh, we got there, <laughs> and it's it's nice now being able to help people in in different countries. Um, what also I have, always surprises me is going around these workplaces and realising that people don't know what the levers and the buttons do on their existing chairs and how you can make simple adjustments to those and teach people how to use it correctly. And that will make a big difference. Uh, so you don't always need to replace them.
0: I'll be honest, some are easier to adjust than others, though. Oh, but that's a, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other Sorry. conversation that we had on the last one. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so that's a massive change. Something else I want to touch on, um, I meant to actually uh, mention this earlier. When we talked about the self-assessment tools, I know that you're working on a, a new, a specific tool. Um, uh-huh. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I'm curious just to, I guess, what gaps you were trying to fill. You know, what, what does yours achieve? Yeah, uh, we
1: had been supplying another tool for our clients, actually and it just wasn't meeting the needs of a new hybrid workplace and what we also have found because people are under so much pressure these days there seems to be people working harder than ever and and that's another whole conversation is the burnout we've been seeing um people have very little that they don't they don't want to give much time to doing this tool particularly if they are not struggling with pain the more pain you have the more invested you'll be in of course but people wanted something very quick and easy so we wanted to create a smart tool that branches out whether you're at home or in the workplace and you can do both but also emphasizing that you know you could use a cushion instead of replacing your whole chair you can um either put behind your back or or to sit on um guidance specifically for the types of home environments that people are working in so they feel that it's relevant to them. We also wanted to make it really quick and easy to do but still providing the same level of in-depth information they need to educate them to be proactive and looking after their own health. At the same time we wanted to capture anybody who may need more help so it highlights if people are at higher risk and then we can go back to the company and say that this person might need a bit of a one-to-one time. We suggest we have another conversation with them or just flag up if they need some extra basic equipment like a keyboard to use with their laptop, so they're not raising their laptop and then reaching up to use it. Um, So we're we're just trying to make it quick, efficient, but highly educational, but also pick up those who are higher risk. And then it's got a big reporting side as well to provide that company with statistics, um, and proof to show anybody higher up maybe who's holding purse their strings, purse strings why
0: that might be, why it's a good idea to be assessing everybody. We know people love data and statistics. Yep. <laughs> so, no, I think I think that's really great. But I think the fact that it does really capture the, everyone says hybrid working, I, I think of it as um, inclusive working.
1: Um,
0: but the fact it captures that is so important because, you know, some people are working at home. But even the fact that some people, when they go and work in cafes and other environments, mm-hmm. if they're more aware, they can still work safely. And there's equipment they yeah. can take with them to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes it's just, as you say, raising the awareness, just thinking twice about the posture that they're adopting. Uh, so, yes.
0: Well, loving your work. Um I'm going to ask you my Harry Potter-esque question now that I always ask all the guests. If you had a magic wand and could change one thing to make workplaces healthier, um, what would it be?
1: It's promoting movement in the workplace. And I'm going to cheat and have another one. (laughs) A rest space as well. (laughs) Just because there are so many issues that can... Mm, it requires someone to take a rest during the day which is a benefit of working from home if we need that little 10 minute 20 minute power nap that boosts our creativity and our productivity for the afternoon whether you're a new parent whether you've got a medical condition whether you just need to lie down to relax out those back muscles um, a little rest space would be my ideal wish for a workplace
0: Ooh, I like it so you've shared so much already um, for this episode. Um, I'll be reading, like listening back myself to make sure that I did absorb everything. But what is one thing that you would like everyone to take away from this episode that they could make improvements today? Well, I can say that I can offer a free homeworker guide
1: if people wanted oh, to get yeah. in touch with me. So that will give them some top tips to how to cheap and easy ways to improve their workstation setups, whether it's at home or in the office. So we can do that for anybody who would like to uh, reach out to us, uh, just give their email address and we'll send the free guide to them. Thank you. That's wonderful. So That's all right. people get in touch. <laughs> so um, um, our email is info at inspired ergonomics.com. And our website is www.inspiredergonomics.com So check us out or send us an email to that address.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. And while we're on it, how can people find you? Because a lot of people might want to follow you now and I'm sure they're going to. Sure. I need to, well, you
1: can find me on LinkedIn under Nicola Adams. So it's with an H. So it's Nicola, N-I-C-H, O-L-A, Adams. And if they just look for that in LinkedIn, I will come up under founder of Inspired Ergonomics and do reach out via link it's probably the best way to reach me because i try to limit my social media use
0: wonderful i need to learn to put a bit of a limit on mine but what i will do is put some of your links in with the um podcast details to make sure that people um, can find you and can find out more about inspired ergonomics so nicola as i say this is one of the episodes i have to listen back to (laughs) But is there anything else you want to share um, before we close out today? Just if anybody has any follow up questions,
1: just let me know. Happy to try and help. Or if anybody's got questions how to. There are so many options of looking after your workforce. It doesn't need to be one to one. It doesn't need to be a tool. There is loads of other ways that will fit into the budget that you have. There's no excuse for for uh, for not educating people to look after them. Um, there's training, there's there's all sorts of ways that you can help your staff to work better and work smarter and work safer.
0: I love that. Thank you so much. And um, I'm certainly going to be sharing my questions <laughs> after this. Um, it's been amazing to talk to you. I loved our conversation. Thank you, Jodie. It, honestly, I think people are going to be able to take away so much and it's hopefully it's going to also just open minds to the fact that people need to learn more about ergonomics as well. So, yeah, massive thank you to you for uh, taking the time out today to talk to us. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening, everyone. I really hope it's been helpful. I have no doubt it has because I have um, started compiling some questions for Nicola for offline. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. And I'd love to know um, what your biggest takeaways were. So please do get in touch. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. Please rate us and leave us a review. We really want to know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the amazing guest speakers we have lined up.